0: Welcome to Musically Challenge, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. I
1: don't know if they asked for it, but they're going to
0: get it. Oh yeah, in the butt. Alright, so welcome to episode 79 of Musical.ly Challenge, your weekly helping of music trivia and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and along with me is Chad Knight. Hi. This week we're going to be talking about movie music. Movie maker... Try again. Movie makers will insert music that's meant to set the tone or make the scene work in some way or another, which is pretty much every movie that ever comes out nowadays because they have their own soundtrack. They could also have a score, which is all instrumental, or they could have a straight-up soundtrack, which includes actual songs. The scores are usually the sweeping odes or orchestrated pieces that are written specifically for the movie, as opposed to the film using a piece of already written or composed music. Think Harry Potter or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. The soundtrack, on the other end, is usually a group of songs or movie clips that will include songs that are listened to in the background, played during ongoings of the film, or just inspired by the movie itself. I fucking hate soundtracks that are inspired by. It. Yeah, you know, yeah, especially when they miss don't include songs that are actually in the movie. Don't get me inspired. Put the songs that are in the movie.
1: Right, right. There's a reason they were in the movie. There's a right. reason I want to listen to them.
0: So oftentimes, movie have movies have both songs and uh, okay. Oftentimes, movies that have both songs and orchestrations will sometimes come out with a soundtrack and a score, such as Forrest Gump or Twister. Be very careful when you're buying, lest you buy the score when you're actually looking for some of the orchestrated music. There you go. So today we're going to be continuing a series that talks about soundtracks we've come across, in our opinion, are a good selection of music. A good score or soundtrack will move the film along and evoke feelings, happiness, lightheartedness, fear, dread, sadness, etc. And while there are some amazing scores out there, we're going to be focusing more on the soundtracks that have songs on them. We may delve a little bit into the flick itself, but this is more about the music. So the movie doesn't, don't expect to be a rundown of the movie in depth on how this fits in the spot and so on and so forth.
1: 100%
0: um,
1: authentic here. I've never seen the movie. We're going to change that sometimes. We will, but I have not seen the movie as of today.
0: Well, and I'm going to do my best to avoid spoilers then because (laughs) I'm sure you've probably heard about it, but why spoil it?
1: Well, you know, and we're we're a movie or we're a music podcast. We're not a movie
0: podcast, right? So, so kick up your feet in your dream lounger, and if you're in that special theater, turn on the butt warmers, if you like that kind of thing, and get some fresh popcorn and a drink while we get the show started.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna exchange the popcorn for dots, okay? But the soda sounds good.
0: Yeah, actually, dots are pretty good. I like dots. Tropical. Any of them. Not the black licorice ones. I love black licorice. Uh, you can keep it. Nope. <laughs> no, I will throw those jelly beans out. Nope. Don't throw them out next year. Just put them in a baggie, bring them to me. All right. You can have the rabbit turds that are black jelly beans. Mm, Nikki and I both love them. Nope. Nope. I'll eat every other color, like the cinnamon ones or the, like the really uh, sharp mint ones mm-hmm. any day. All right. So
1: they haven't asked for it, but we've said we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. we're going to get fucked up this
0: episode. Or try to, at least. Yeah, we're going to work on it. So this time, last time I brought, because yep. and we did the Louise Demise, this time Chad brought, and we've got a bottle that actually looks straight out of the Old West if you look at the uh, writing on it. It does.
1: It's really nice. Um, I, I brought a McGillicuddy's Intense Butterscotch.
0: Now, before you give a shit about getting fucked up on schnapps, enough of it will get you going.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And we're hoping for enough of it.
1: And, but, you know, we're also human beings and we have to be able to function by the end of this.
0: Right. We actually have stuff to do later on today.
1: Yeah. And I am not, I repeat, I am not editing this episode. So, you're going to get us on cut. All right. So, the only thing I'm going to do is put the music in
0: and that's it. Let the music play? Yeah. All right. So... You just said the so we're doing the intense butterscotch. Um, are we gonna give it a rating before, like at the yeah? Beginning? Let's do
1: a let's do a quick shot here. Um, there will the, be no clinking because we're using plastic
0: because butterfingers. Well, and because then nobody has to do dishes. That too. Here we go. Whoa. Wow, I like that. I am not a butterscotch fan. I will be the first to admit that. So, but this uh, is like butterscotch um ice cream topping yeah it's like a butterscotch ice butterscotch ice cream topping that you could like or butterscotch jello pudding and it's got a little little bit bit of a a heat
1: a little bit of an alcohol burn Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, just
0: to tell that you're drinking it
1: so the way we're gonna do this
0: today is 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 first rate it and then we'll tell you how we'll do it okay so i'm I'm not even gonna bother with the the um i'm not even bother with the hand signals or any of that shit it's a thumbs up it's a
1: thumbs up absolutely
0: that is good stuff
1: Alright, so the way we're going to do this episode is, after every song, we're going to do a shot. So, you will probably, not so much in the beginning, but you will probably notice a difference in our speech, and our um, things volume. Will, things will progress. Yes. So, are we ready to get started, or do you want...
0: No, let's go through ratings. We're going to go through ratings, and we have trivia to do, too. This is my Ooh, last trivia one. This is
1: the one. This is the last one for you to trip me up on, When if you do anything related to the actual
0: movie mm-hmm. you could you could trip me up real easy it's not going to be related to this movie okay all right so first of all we're going to talk about ratings yep and you know this is the same rating system that we use when we're talking about playlists yeah where zero is absolute shit we kill it with fire before your ears bleed or we stick it on somebody else so their ears bleed whatever one to three is a hard pass not again if we can help it four to six is all right it's not great it's not terrible we're not going to change the station but we're not going to really seek it out 7 to 10 is pretty good. Pretty damn good! Yeah, yeah. We may have to look for more by this artist. That's such a good movie, by the way. Yeah. And number 10 is The Golden Unicorn. And that's... We're never going to find it. It is a Ball's awesomeness that we cannot live without. I love me some music. There's a lot of bands I consider to be favorite bands, but none of those bands have 10s.
1: No, I haven't really found one. However, that Golden Unicorn may be at the bottle of this golden liquor.
0: <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. It's... This is... Yeah. We're, yeah. So... And like we did with the last soundtrack, which was what? Um, Dazed and Confused. mm No, we did Wedding Singer. That's oh, that's right. right. We
1: did do Wedding Singer.
0: We're going to actually rate the soundtrack itself as opposed to each individual song. Okay. So at the end, we're going to tell what we thought of the soundtrack. And so now it comes to the trivia part. Yay! So trivia question for number 79. Should I do a shot first? Sure. No. Why? <laughs> do it. Do it. Fine. Do it. Uh, so... Monty Python's Graham Chapman and John Cleese, along with Python collaborator Neil Innes, wrote Knights of the Round Table, talking about the knight's life and activities in Camelot for the cult film Monty Python and the Holy Grail in 1975. The knights are well fed in Camelot. What exactly did they eat? Oh, my God. So now you need to know song lyrics. And you know this, too. Oh,
1: I'm sure I do. I just have to think about it. But I'm going to also get foggy throughout the whole thing.
0: So you might want to think early. Yeah. Do you want me to reread this? Yes, please do. All right, so Monty Python's Graham Chapman and John Cleese. uh, Graham Chapman, I believe, was King Arthur. John Cleese was... um, Mm. Well, I know he was one of the French... (laughs) He was one of the French guys, right? Um, He was Sir Robin. Sir Robin, yeah. Right. Along with Python collaborator Neil Innes, wrote Knights of the Round Table, talking about the knight's life and activities in and around Camelot for the cult film 1975's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The knights are well-fed in Camelot. What exactly did they eat? And this is directly from the... The song pardon, the lyric. Yeah, I know, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, but I got a feeling this is going to be humorous at the end. So you might actually go... So here's here's how this could turn out. You are currently 27 and 25. Right. Which means you're either going to go 28 and 25, or you're going to go 27 and 26. Right.
1: Either so way, i are still, still over 500,
0: 500. But we'll see where it turns out.
1: All right. Should we get into some music?
0: Absolutely. You get to start.
1: Yes, I do. So, I have We Will Rock You. It's a song written by Brian May May. Brian May and recorded by Queen in their 1977 album News of the World, which is just as a as an aside here, the first Queen album I ever owned. Okay. Because it had We Will Rock You, it had uh, We Are the Champions and and a few other ones, but Rolling Stone ranked at number 330 on the 500 Greatest Songs of All Time in 2004, and it placed at number 146 on the Song of the Century list in 2001. In 2009, We Will Rock You was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Other than the last 30 seconds containing a guitar solo by May, the song is generally set in an acapella form, using only stomping and clamping as a rhythmic body percussion beat. In 1977, We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions were issued together as a worldwide top 10 single. Soon after the album was released, many radio stations began playing the songs consecutively and without interruption. Since its release, We Will Rock You has been covered, remixed, sampled, parodied, referenced, and used by multiple recording artists, TV shows, films, and other media worldwide. Since its release, the song has become a staple at sports events around the world as a stadium anthem, mostly due to its simple rhythm. Let's see if
0: we will rock you. Got on your face, you big disgrace kicking your can all over the place singing, we will, we will rock, you. Arena
1: rock at Arena Rock, its best, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. It's about a bad thing that happened, but was turned into something more than just a song about a bad thing. The imagery throughout the song makes you think of a riot or possibly of a war. I just think of a I just think of a fun song that is sung during sporting events to liven up the crowd. I think it's a good song.
0: What are your thoughts, Lou? So now this track was a B-side. Yes, this was a B-side. This awesomeness of a song was a fucking B-side. Yes, you are correct. That is insane. I agree. Um, it was a B-side to We are the champions for their album New, uh, News of the world 77. good year. It's one of their most well-known songs. Period. I mean, you're exactly right. It's played at almost every event between that and Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part Two, right? Because the Hey song is easily enough to be yelled out. Um, it succeeds in getting the crowds going. It features early in the film, and you get to see some early jousting action. The promo posters for the song or for the movie actually show Heath Ledger looking all serious and badass with the tagline, "He will rock you." Oh, okay. So that is kind of where they started off, and I think they let off the soundtrack with a good song. All right.
1: And here we go. Shot number two.
0: Still good. All right. Well, good, because we got a lot of time left to go. Yeah. All right. What's your first song? All right. My first song, track number two, is Lowrider by War. Now, Lowrider is a single written by War and Jerry Goldstein that was off of 1975's Why Can't We Be Friends, and it's about cars. Yeah. Not about drugs? It Per Harold Brown, the song isn't about drugs. People questioned the take a little trip or rides a little higher lines, but that was debunked as he confirmed it was about cars and cruising. It really didn't become about drugs until Cheech and Chong took it over. Which, duh. Right, right. <laughs> so... It's a fun song that's immediately recognizable by the intro and the bass line. I mean honestly, if you you gotta know this just by the first few notes. Oh yeah. Especially if you've watched the George Lopez show because which was hilarious and they yep. used this for the opening theme. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a quick listen and then we'll talk a little bit about it.
1: All oh, my friends, the low rider is a little higher.
0: So, this song, was pl- it was during the movie when Ulrich, which was his alter ego, Heath Ledger's alter ego, was on horseback trying to get the basics of jousting and practicing his sword work. A horse by no means is a lowrider, but the pacing of the song works well with the inclusion at that particular scene. Good song, good inclusion of the soundtrack, in my opinion. All right, so, when
1: I, when I hear the, the phrase, all my friends know the lowrider... It reminds me of an episode from that 70s show where Eric and Donna exchange the wedding rings. Who's
0: considered the (laughs) lowrider?
1: Right. Well, it's on on the inside. It's engraved on the inside of Donna's ring.
0: Yep, I remember that.
1: And she's like, who's the lowrider? Am I the lowrider? And what do you mean by all all your friends know? Are you calling me a whore? (laughs) But that aside. Such a good show. The cowbell, the drums, and the bass guitar make for a very interesting sound. You add in the horns, and it's just... Fun. It's a song about guys driving around in a lower In It's a song about guys driving around in low to the ground cars known as lowriders. It's almost a list of what a lowrider needs to be a lowrider and cool.
0: I dig it. It's a great song. Cool, cool. All right. So I suppose this, this is time for number 2. Yeah, there you go.
1: Still good? Mhm. Still good? All right, so my next song is Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive. TCB. Yeah, so Taking Care of Business is a song written by Randy Bachman.
0: But for fat guys, it's TCBY.
1: (laughs) Is that the ice cream place? (laughs)
0: The the country's best yogurt or whatever.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) And first recorded by Canadian rock group Bachman Turner Overdrive, or BTO as I will call them from now on. Mm -hmm. For their 1973 album, Bachman Turner Overdrive 2. And I lied, but that's because it's the name of the album. Randy Bachman had developed what would be would later become taking care of business while still a member of the Guess Who. His original idea was to write about a recording technician who worked on the Guess Who's recordings. This particular technician would take the 815 train to get to work, inspiring the lyrics take the 815 into the city. In the early arrangement for the song, which had the working title White Collar Worker, the chorus riff and vocal melody were similar to that of the Beatles' paperback writer. When Bachman first played the version for Burton Cummings, Cummings declared that he was ashamed of him and that the guests who would never record the song because the Beatles would sue them. Bachman still felt like the main riff and verses were good. It was only when the song got to the chorus that everybody hated it. While BTO was still playing smaller venues in support of its first album, Bachman was driving into Vancouver, British Columbia for a gig, and listening to the radio when he heard a particular DJ uh, catchphrase, we're taking care of business. Lead vocalist Fred Turner's voice gave out before the band's last set of the night. Bachman sang some cover songs to get through that set, last set. And on a whim, he told the band to play the C, B flat, and F chords over and over. While he sang White Collar Worker with the new words, taking care of business, inserted into the chorus. And the rest, as they say, is history. So open up those tune tunnels for this. So this opening riff is probably one of the best known in rock and roll. The keyboard, drums, and guitar. It's just a high-tempo rock and roll song that I really like. The Struggles of the Everyman.
0: I don't see any issues with this song. It's pretty fucking awesome, honestly. You know, and just like the Queen song that was before, this is one of the band's most recognizable songs. Um, Honestly, if you say BTO, this is going to be one of the first ones that anybody is going to say. Or you ain't seen nothing yet with the stutter. Right. It's a great song. Um, it's played when he's doing his, when Ulrich is doing his sword, quote-unquote, best event, and just getting it done in the sword arena. Because of why, when it was played, it worked out well. Well placed. Good yeah. song. Enjoyable. Right, here
1: we go. One more.
0: Still okay? Oh, God, that is so good. I think we should put that on ice cream. Oh, no, that would weigh
1: too much alcohol. But just make it like a rip your float out of it with this. Yeah. Or cream soda, some of this, and rip, and and vanilla ice cream. Cream soda and butter. That'd be like a butter beer,
0: a Harry Potter. Yeah, almost, beer, kinda, it? yeah. Mm.
1: All right. So what do you got
0: next, man? Next we have track number four, which is "Golden Years" by David Bowie. Love this song. Now, "Golden Years" is a single off of 1975 Station to Station. David Bowie's ex, Angela, claims the song was written for her, as there is a definite person it's directed towards. It's hard to tell if that's the case or not, and it's not as if we can really ask him anymore, sadly enough. Yeah. The song was played during the dance that Ulrich and Jocelyn attended. It starts off all slow and orchestrated, but then kicks into David Bowie, and it works well. And the scene, it actually, because of, again, the pacing and how the song kind of works from orchestra into artist, just works. And let's take a listen. I like Bowie. I like Golden Years. It's There's nothing else to say.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a very catchy tune. The lyrics themselves are a little confusing, but to me it just sounds like you should always live like you're young, even when you're not feeling it. It's just a fun, jivey kind of song. I mean, Bowie, has, Bowie was a great musician, and I like a lot of his catalog. That said, this is a great tune. I could actually put this song on repeat and not get bored of it for quite a
0: while. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, You would be wrong. Okay. I will will take the wrong, but I'm going to put something different on after a little while. That's fine. Go ahead, man. It's your turn. Um, Shoot it back. All right. That's right. I was like, wait a second. No, I just read.
1: No, I don't want to know more. All right. So up next, I have, I believe it's number six? Five. Five. Crazy on You by Heart. It is the debut American single from the rock band Heart. It was the first single following the release of their debut album, Dreamboat Annie, released in 1976. Starting with the acoustic guitar intro called Silver Wheels, the song turns into a fast-paced rock song that was the signature sound of the band in their early years. Crazy On You attracted attention both for the relatively unusual combination of an acoustic guitar paired with an electric guitar, and the fact that the acoustic guitarist was a woman a rarity in rock music during that time. According to co-writer, guitarist Nancy Wilson, who discussed it on an episode of In the Studio with Redbeard that devoted an entire episode to the Dreamboat Annie album, the rapid acoustic rhythm part was inspired by the Moody Blue song Question. The song's lyrics fell tell of a person's desire to forget all the problems of the world during one night of passion. During an interview on private sessions, Ann Wilson revealed the song was written in response to the stress caused by the Vietnam War and social unrest in the United States in the early 70s. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Now, I really enjoy this song, and a bunch of stuff that Heart does. However, the acoustic guitar intro in this is amazing. The vocals are great, and I don't know what else to say about this other than just listen to it. It's a great
0: song. All right, so the track was released, as you mentioned, as their debut song, which hit in the ground running. That's for damn sure. Yep. Um, Great song. It's a rockin' song that establishes them as a solid classic rock band. The song was not in the movie at all, and I'm kind of confused on why it was even included on the soundtrack. Oh, okay. Uh, don't get me wrong. I like Heart. This is a great song. Just not sure the reason the inclusion, other than it's a good classic rock song, and maybe the musical director actually cared for it, I mean, which is definite possibility. So this is one of, I think, three songs, three either three or four, that are not are on the soundtrack but are not in the movie. Interesting. So, And that is one of them. Okay. Knock her back. Here we go. All right, so we have track number six, and that is Further On Up The Road. That's, that's a hard one to say when you're uh, getting there. Yep. The song was written by Don Roby, Joe Medwick Vesey, and performed by Bobby Bland in 1957 as Farther Up The Road. Clapton, being Clapton, recorded a few versions of the song, mostly with the same lyrics but with a faster tempo, renaming it to Further On Up The Road. It finally made it on the album with 1975's live album EC Was Here. It's kind of badass, actually. A little bit, yeah. And the song is really just about warning. It's The song is really a warning song about karma. You screwed me over, and somewhere down the line, you're going to get yours. I mean, that's just how it is. Now, I don't really know how well this fits into the movie, aside from the animosity between Adamar and Ulrich, but it's a good song. And let's take a listen and put it into your ear holes. Ear holes, huh? So what do you think?
1: All right, so it's very, a very bluesy song. Now, I love Clapton and what he can do on the guitar.
0: Oh, slow hand.
1: Oh, yeah. He has an awesome skill on the guitar. I think his vocals are okay as well. He's not the best vocalist, in my opinion. He's, he's passable, don't yeah. get me wrong, but he's not great. Uh, this is just a song about a guy telling a girl, if you screw me, someone will screw you up further the further up the road.
0: It's a karma song. It's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It sounds like a really slow echo of what I just said. I know.
1: I I was reading it. uh, But, you know, hey, whatever, man. Do a shot. (laughs) All right. All right. So my next song is called Get Ready by Rare Earth. Get Ready is the RIAA Platinum Certified Second Studio Album by American Blues Rock Band Rare Earth. It was released on September 30th, 1969 by Motown Records. The album spawned one hit single, an edited version of Get Ready, which peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1970. Are you ready to hear this?
0: too bad because you're going to anyways apparently
1: now the intro makes me think of the beatles back in the ussr i don't know why but that
0: oh the jet plane coming in yeah the whole the
1: whole thing just kind of however everyone knows this song and it's a good one just a funky song lots of tambourine and a lot of jive to it i'm not just sure if it's considered disco but it definitely has that feel of it to me i can buy that so go listen to it now well after we're done here anyway
0: what are, you, what are your thoughts? You know, the song was written by Smokey Robinson and was originally recorded by The Temptations in 1966 and then later Rare, Rare Earth took it and released it as part of their their Get Ready album in 69 and then as a single a year later. Which, why it would become a single a year later, I don't understand that, but then again, that's why I don't make millions of dollars working for the recording industry. Exactly. This Motown staple, is it's just a fun song. Um, it is a love song that's about dancing. It's used in the movie to prepare the listener for Ulrich's entrance and the pursuance of his love interest, Jocelyn. Okay. It's a a worthy inclusion. I think it's an entertaining song. Great classic rock Motown song. Absolutely worth it. All right.
1: It's my turn again, huh? Yep. All right. Here we go.
0: You know, as we're getting down the line, I'm starting to taste the alcohol more.
1: Yeah, I am too, actually.
0: I didn't know if that was just me or not.
1: No, but it's still good.
0: No, it is still good. It's just one of those that's like, it's becoming less sweet and more burny. Right, and most of the time, alcohol goes the other way. Well, yeah, because you just stop thinking about it. Maybe that's it. All right, so what do you got next? Number eight we've got is, I Want to Take You Higher by Sly and the Family Stone. This track was written and recorded by Sly and the Family Stone and was the B-side single to the the hit song "Stand" and later was released in the, or released on the 1969 full album "Stand." Okay. The song itself did well enough to also chart. "Stand" was top 30 and this was top 40. And the song is not a message song per se, but is just music about music and the feeling that someone would get by listening to or performing said music. Okay. It's a good funk song that's entertaining to listen to, and again, I really don't know what it has to do with the movie. Um, Music really isn't a big part of the film, so it seems a bit out of place, but it's still an entertaining song. So let's take a quick listen, and then we can hear what Chadwick has to say.
1: I'll have you know that it was supposed to be Chad Wynn, not Chad Wick. Chadley, got it. All right, so classic disco song. The thing I don't like about Sly and the Family Stone, and, and it's not just this song, it's all their songs, is the fact that they don't have one single vocalist. It's every, It's like every line in the song or every stanza in the song is sung by somebody else. But this is definitely a high energy, and that makes it even more fun. It's not something I would listen to all the time, but in the right mood, you're damn right I'd listen to it. Well, oh, yeah. You know, it's one of those songs that it's disco, so you definitely have to be in the right mood. Right. But on the same token, it, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, what What are, um, no, you drink now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah,
0: you're starting to get there already, are you?
1: Well, I'm kind of a lightweight compared to you. Yeah, you are. So, yeah, I'm going to get there a lot faster than you are.
0: That you are. (laughs) All right, so... You uh, got track number nine. What is number nine? It
1: is The Boys Are Back in Town. It's a single from the Irish hard rock band Thin Lizzy. The song was originally eh, released in 1976 on their album, Jailbreak. It was 1976, and we were touring America, recalled Scott Gorman. Jailbreak wasn't shifting, and we weren't selling any tickets. But there we were, gigging around. The manager came in and told us, Well, guys, it looks like you have a hit record. Our response was, Wow, which song are you talking about? When he replied, The boys are back in town, it was a case of, Really? We demoed maybe 15 songs, and the boys are back in town wasn't among the 10 that were chosen for the album. Which, in some way, made it a double surprise. We We owe it all to two DJs in Louisville, Kentucky. They fell in love with the fucking song and played it incessantly until other stations in the surrounding area picked up on it. Had the song not kickstarted the sales of the album, then the band was over. So let's go ahead and listen to what the boys are up to.
0: Haven't changed, hadn't much to say, but man I still think them cats are crazy. They were asking if you were around, how you was, where you could be found. Told them you were living downtown. Driving all the old men the boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. So their response, I'm sorry, makes me think of um, Major League. Remember when um, Tom Berenger's character gets the call and he's all hung over and everything right. else? It's like, could have at least told me you're from the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, shut Fuck up. Fuck you, Tolbert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking when it's like, yeah, that song, quit, no, shut up. <laughs> So, the rare thing Lizzy song that
1: I, re- that I really like. It's a simple song about a group who used to hang out, and now they're back, trying to get everyone together for a reunion of sorts, I guess. It's a band, and they're looking for all the people they used to play to. Each verse is the same, but different, if that makes any sense. Mm. I, I like this one. It's, it's a
0: really good song. I have to ask, though. You said this is a... I don't know if I, maybe I misheard you, you said you were, it was a rare Thin Lizzy song that you cared for? Yes. I thought you liked Whiskey in a Jar. I do, I, but
1: that's, I mean, if you look at their whole catalog,
0: well, like I, there uh, are very few that I enjoy. Oh, they're, they're a greatest hits band. They absolutely are. Absolutely. I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many songs of theirs that I know. Okay. And now it would be one extra one because of last episode's Emerald. Right. Which is the, the other side of the boys of back in in town, town. Right. So, and,
1: and they're both good songs. I mean, right. I was really impressed by Emerald, so.
0: So, this track was released as a single on their Jailbreak album, as you mentioned, and you're, I mean, I got the same information you do. They were in a bit of a stagnant career slump. The song hits it, it revives them, and so they're back. Their image just returned, as were the boys back in town and partying and hanging out, and it's just it's like everybody getting together at the bar. You know, you come back to town after being away from college or whatever the case is. You go to the bar, try to get your old buddies back together, and that's how it is. Or
1: like an American pie at the hot dog place.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the the film uses the song where Ul- Ulrich, Ulrich and his entourage return to the jousting and sword rings to get back together for competing. His... I thought it, it was a good song to include because it's kind of bringing everybody back into it. Yeah. Okay. So, and that would be you, sir.
1: Yes, it would. This is number six. You feeling kind of warm yet? I'm feeling definitely warm.
0: <laughs> so, wow. Getting a little bit more fuzzy. Uh, burny, is it?
1: That one was really burny.
0: <laughs> you know, like when you get a mixed drink and they don't mix it right, you just yeah. take that first straw sip and all of a sudden like your your face puckers. Or if you're because... like
1: me and you're not a straw sipper and you take the first drink, you're like, oh, that's not so bad. You get halfway down and you're like... <laughs>
0: Yep, exactly. All right, so track number 10 is actually not a song per se. It's actually a clip from the movie. Oh, this fucking thing. Yeah. The track is a movie audio clip. Paul Bettany plays Chaucer, and it is implied that it is that same Chaucer, the The, the 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 Canterbury Canterbury Tales Tales guy. guy, Right. Okay. He's the Herald of Ulrich slash William. During one of the final jousts towards the end of the movie, Chaucer gets a chance to announce his night, and this is it. The wording won't make a lot of sense if you haven't seen the movie, and even afterwards, while it's rousing for the movie, it really loses a lot because it's on the soundtrack and just really doesn't make much sense here. I can honestly think of a lot of other clips that would have done a lot better, but Bentley's just got a really good voice. I mean, he was Jarvis on Iron Man, he was the Vision in the other, Inve- in what was one of the Avengers movies. You are obviously getting loaded. I can tell by your actions. What? <laughs> so let's go ahead and take a listen while Chad continues to play with things that are not for adults to play with.
1: It's mine. I can play with it.
0: Here he is. One of your own. Born a stone's throw from this very stadium. I'm here before you now. So, and as I mentioned before, I mean, I don't know if this is the best clip to put on here. I mean, I know they probably had to find a good, um, a good one of him actually rousing, rousing, um, rousing up the crowd, riling up the crowd, whatever the case is. Honestly, I think they when he, they did something very similar to the the Beatles rattling your jewelry thing. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a better clip. But I mean, it's Paul Bettany. I mean, he's got a really damn good voice. So that's what I gotta say. I you know you haven't seen the movie, so this won't make a lick of difference to you. I I
1: wrote talking and talking from the movie. Makes no sense to me as I haven't seen the movie. It's the the introduction of someone. Can't make out the name. Eh, fuck it. Okay.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and take care of my business, and you go ahead and get your next song.
1: All right. So the next song I have up is We Are the Champions by Robbie Williams and Queen. We Are the Champions is a song by the British rock band Queen. It first released on their 1977 album, News of the World. They actually went really heavy into one album. Mm Mm-hmm. With, with two takes from it. but right. Written by lead singer Freddie Mercury, it is one of Queen's most popular songs and one of rock's most recognizable anthems. The song was a worldwide success, reaching number two in the UK singles chart and number four on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States.
0: Okay. Are you talking about the original We yes. Are the Champions? Okay.
1: In 2009, We Are the Champions was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame and is, was voted the world's favorite song in 2005 by Sony Ericsson world music Poll.
0: Wow, the world's favorite song, huh? Yeah. In
1: 2011, a team of scientific researchers concluded that the song was the catchiest in the history of popular music. Yes, sir, somebody spent government money on that, or at least school money.
0: I can think of worse grants, but I mean, this is still pretty stupid. We Are
1: the Champions has become an anthem for victories at sporting events, including an official theme song for the 1994 FIFA World Cup and has been often used or referenced in popular culture. The song has also been covered by many artists. On October 7, 2017, Queen released a raw session version of the track to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the release of News of the World. It was made from previously unheard vocal and instrumental takes from the original multi-track tapes. It also presents for the first time the original recorded length of the track, which is two choruses more than the 1977 edited single. Will
0: you be rocked? I've myself to my face, but I've come i
1: come oh. on and on and on and on. All right, so I'm not sure who Robbie Williams is, and it didn't take time to look it up. And, and I didn't take time.
0: He did the song Millennium. No. Yeah, if you know those Now CDs that everybody yeah. had, he was—it's was one of the songs on there. If you heard it, you recognize it. Okay,
1: but I, like I was gonna say, he can sing. Everybody knows the song. It's a great Queen song, and though the official statement is that it's Robbie Williams and Queen, but unless they're sampling something from Queen that I didn't hear when listening to this. There was no Queen in this. This was just a cover of the song
0: by Robbie Williams. I think it was Robbie Williams and then, like, Brian May was playing guitar.
1: Oh, was that? It wasn't in the video. I can tell that much.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think it was, like, Queen members that were playing. That's why it's with Queen.
1: Okay. So, it was a great cover. It's got a bit of a punk edge to it, which I really like and I'm okay with. So, for me, it's all good. I enjoyed it.
0: So... This is another rousing track by Queen and is incredibly successful. It brings on the specific emotion of the thrill of victory. I mean, bottom line. right. Um they use it, you're you're exactly right. They play it at the end of certain sporting events. Um, they played it at the end of Revenge of the Nerds, when the nerds won per se. Um, there's really no guesswork what this song is about, victory. Um, at, and that's and usually when movies, the finger quotes "Good guy wins, that's when the song plays. right. After one of Ulrich's significant jousts, this version of the song plays, and it just works. It really does, because he was the victor. Robbie Williams has a decent voice, but I still prefer the original version, which I'm sure you probably do as well. I do. Um, it's not bad. Um, Robbie Williams, I'm just not a huge fan of.
1: It's got a nice little punk edge to it.
0: Yeah, and I, like I that. Suppose.
1: You know? But yeah, I do like the original better.
0: And I have to say that I prefer... Because Queen is paired up with a lot of different artists. I mean, they paired up with Adam Lambert. They paired up with Paul Rogers from Bad Company. I think Paul Rogers is the most successful one. Yes. Adam Lambert is... An abomination. Yes. Good word. <laughs> but no, Paul Rogers, I think it was a two-year stint that he did with Queen, was honestly the best collaboration, I think, of all of them. Right, right.
1: and you know, And it's one thing that Queen has always said throughout their years since Freddie died. We're not replacing Freddie. We just have a different lead guy, Mm -hmm. which I think is brilliant on their part. Oh, yeah. You know, so I suppose here we go. All
0: right. You're getting kind of slower when you're doing these. I'm getting full. (laughs) Full. All right, so my last one that I'll be talking about is a song called Pieces by Dan Powell.
1: But it won't be the last shot you're taking. This is true. You got to take this one and then you got to take one with my last song so we have equal number of shots.
0: Right. Okay. All right, so this second to last song in the soundtrack is another song that is not in the movie. The song is a soft acoustic heavy pop song. The only documentation I could find is that the song is solely on this soundtrack and I have no fucking clue who this guy even is. Amen, brother. This is a good thing though because the song is fucking terrible. I'm sorry. This is an awful song. It's boring. It's blah. We're going to make you listen to it because we're evil bastards. And it's part of the format. Right. But more so because we enjoy your pain. That too. No, I, I own this soundtrack, and this is frequently a skipped song. Um, I Let me guess, hit, you
1: skip it every time except
0: when it's too far out of reach. Um, it's No, because when you're on the iPod, all you have to do is press a button. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, honestly, the 11th track on this, which was We Are the Champions, is where the soundtrack should have ended. These last two songs should not have been put on here. Pieces is the shittier of the two last ones, and I have nothing positive to say about this song at all. I said a love song. Mostly saw it titled Pieces of My Heart,
1: actually. Um, normal sappy song. It's a song about a man's love for a girl he can't have. You know, the normal thing. It's if, just
0: If you could see what we're doing, we're doing that jerking off motion, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. It's just kind of, for me. Yeah, it's a boring as hell song. But so, the
1: bonus out of this is you get to have a drink.
0: Yeah, so I guess that's a plus. There you go. All right, what's the last one? It is Eye Conqueror. And that's eye, like. It's an
1: E-Y-E, yeah, <laughs> yes. By third eye blind. Ha <laughs> ha! I think it was a play on words. That sucks. Okay, so this is a song about a warrior in battle. And the girl at home and what he will do to get home to her. I haven't seen the movie or heard the song before we got started here. So let's push this into your ear holes because we're evil bastards the come I tell you still said in the wind Set myself with baby sigma flow So i to get to swear That's my poison till I win now Stay blessed is that a prophecy So the song itself it does kick you in the balls to start and it just keeps kicking you while you're down I really like the song, actually. It's a rocker that seems to be the idea for the soundtrack. I'm not sure I could name another Third Eye Blind song, but I may have to go check them out. I mean, I really enjoy this one. It's it's pretty heavy. It's pretty
0: fast. Um, I already know you don't enjoy it, but... I know that you know another Third Eye Blind song. Oh, I probably do. semi charm Life. I like that one, too. Okay, so you do. All right, now... This song was put on the soundtrack specifically and put out specifically for this soundtrack. It is not on the movie. Or not in the movie.
1: That makes sense, though, because it doesn't really fit into what I know of the movie.
0: Right, and lyrically, it makes sense as the guy's talking about being a conqueror and something about love is thrown in there and blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit. It wasn't in the movie, which is a good thing because it doesn't mesh with the classic rock feel. Because all the other songs, with the exception of that piece of Garbage Pieces song... Was classic rock. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get this 90s wine fest that has a little bit of a alternate feel, alternative feel to it. Mm-hmm. Third Eye Blind is an okay 90s band, but this song is a bit of a dud for me. Um, there's really no point in having this song in here except for trying to broader the audience who may not recognize who BTO is, but they might recognize who Third Eye Blind is. Okay. Trying to expand the age range, the demographics per se. I am not a fan of this song. I thought it was included for no apparent reason other than to add an extra track which they could have added a different song which i will talk about in my final analysis okay so with
1: that let's take our final shots all right cheers now just so the people out there realize this bottle is a 750 is it a 750 it looks like it it's a
0: one liter oh okay and it's half gone It's half gone, and we were doing one-ounce shots. They were not doing like doubles or anything like that. Right. right. So, So, how do you feel? Do you feel... Well, how about this? Because I've seen the movie, why don't you tell me what your thoughts are on the soundtrack, and then I'll tell you what my thoughts
1: are. I was meant, how do you feel with the alcohol? How are you feeling?
0: I'm feeling fine. You're not feeling any warmth or burn Uh, or anything? Well, the the more I'm taking, the more burning I'm feeling. I have a feeling that I would probably get tagged for OWI if I tried driving. Um, okay. I feel fine, but at the same time, I don't trust my own judgment. I'm very warm about the face. <laughs> I can see that. You're you're very red.
1: You're very pink. <laughs> and I can tell, I'm at that point where I'm not so gone that I'm gone gone, but you're, I'm far enough gone. Your, your
0: mouth and lips are kind of rubbery right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm far enough gone that I can tell that definitely I can't drive. Uh,
0: <laughs> Good thing you're at home, huh? Yes. All I have to do is
1: make it upstairs. (laughs) So, So, what are your thoughts? thoughts? So, my thoughts. Overall, I really enjoy this soundtrack. I mean, the songs on here are stuff that, on a pretty regular basis, other than a couple of them, I would probably listen to. Okay. Um, Pieces was garbage. A piece of shit. Uh, I enjoyed Third Eye Blind, even though you didn't. Uh, But everything else is that classic. I mean, that's right in my sweet spot, most of these songs. Get Ready by Rare Earth is one of those songs I know, but I probably wouldn't go searching out. Okay. But I would say overall, as, as as a whole, I would say this is probably high six, low seven.
0: All right. All right. So, I've got a little bit more to read about this one. So, okay. sit back, relax, and just suck it up, because you're going to have to listen. To
1: Are you. we doing one more shot at the
0: very end? That's up to you, man. You look like you're about to die. So. No, I'm not going to die. So when this movie came out, purists were pissing and moaning about it because it was classic rock for a period piece. While some of the names were historical names, it was not meant to be historically accurate, so people need to calm the fuck down. Personally, I enjoyed that they added more modern themes to it. It made the movie more fun instead of a stuffy scoring that usually follows period pieces. Did you write a goddamn book over there? Kind of. Okay. Director Brian uh, Brian H. once stated in an interview that he used modern music in the movie to, quote, show modern audiences what people then felt about their music. When true renaissance music is used in modern movies, it fails to convey the emotional response that people back then had to such music. Well put. I agree. That sounds good. Now, annoyingly, nine of these tracks were actually from the movie 10 if you count the One of Your Own Speech by Paul Bettany. They tossed a classic rock tune heart and added a couple modern tracks to appeal to the younger crowd, the Dan Powell and Third Eye Blind but cut out one of the major songs during the ending of the movie. They played ACDC's You Shook Me All Night Long.
1: Why would they cut that?
0: I don't fucking know.
1: Could they maybe not get the rights to put it on the CD? It could
0: very well have been, or maybe they wanted to put Third Eye Blind because it appeals to the kids. Uh, That's a possibility. The soundtrack is decent for various artists for... Okay, the soundtrack is a decent list of various artists for classic rock. Since classic songs are... not Oh, my God. Since the classic songs that are on it are good, I'm going to give it a high six, but it misses out on a seven for two reasons. First, it misses for including songs that weren't in the movie. Only one of them is even any good Heart. Second, it misses for not including a song that was in the movie that is way better than the final two shit songs that were included. So we actually rated pretty much exactly the same. Okay. Wording, actually, even. I even said high six. Which is kind of fucking scary. I mean, we've done this long enough that apparently you can tell what I'm thinking and vice versa.
1: Well, I don't even think it was that. I mean, it's just it's just a breakdown of the music on, on its own, you know? But the
0: fact that you actually said a high six as opposed to like a flat six or a flat seven or something, that's kind of... Yeah, because cr- it's kind of on that edge for me. I, but do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Well, all right, so why don't we just go ahead and have that last one Shot. right away.
1: All right, and then we'll uh, do the outro.
0: All right, oh that one got to me. Oh that one came
1: through the nose. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we're gonna go ahead and do that trivia now and see if you're gonna go twenty eight and oh, twenty five, shit. or if you're gonna go twenty seven and twenty six. That's gonna be the number. <laughs> you're gonna slap yourself when you find out when you hear this. Too. I, I have I, a guess. I, I know. So Monty Python's Graham Chapman and John Cleese, King Arthur and Sir Robin, along with Monty Python collaborator Neil Innes, wrote *Knights of the Round Table*. Talking about the knights' life and activities at Camelot for the cult classic film, 1975's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The knights are very well fed in Camelot. What exactly did they eat? Treacle pie. That would be a good British answer. But the actual line of the song says, "We eat ham and jam and spam a lot." Ham and jam and spam a lot. Yes. <laughs> And because it was nights, that's how it fits in. Yeah, okay. Bueller? 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 Bueller?
1: So, thank you guys for listening. Like any of our other episodes, if you like this episode or any of our other episodes, you can... You know what? Just check out the writing at the end here, because... It's going to be on the bottom, and I'm going to fuck it up if I try to say it. So. All right,
0: so how about if I give it a try? Okay, you do it. All right, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. That sounds right. Or if you'd prefer, you can use musicallychallengedpodcast at gmail.com also. If you'd prefer, if you want to do the social media thing, we've got a Facebook page, and that Facebook page is Musically challenged. You're going to, you'll are gonna you get to see our ugly mugs up there. Um, we got some ACDC and some Guns N' Roses going on, and if you see us there, you'll know it's us. You can send messages. You can download the episodes. It'll link you through to Podbean, I think, which is where it goes Correct. through. Correct. Now, if you want to get in touch with us another way, we have a Twitter page, and we are not Twitter painted a Twitter page because I don't like them. Oh, way. I know this one. Right. At MC Podcast Seventeen. You're exactly right. So, if you want to send us a message, some love, some hate. If you want to send us a playlist of how many songs? Ten. Ten songs. Ten artists. Right. And then be prepared to have the songs in case we need them. And if you want a theme, great. If you don't want the theme, that's fine, too. We'll be more than happy to hear it. And we do post our episodes on Twitter as well. So that's actually all we got for you. We'll be back with episode 80. And with episode 80, Chad's going to start doing trivia, which I'm actually kind of excited about. I am, too, actually. So that's all we got. Thank you very much for listening. And for Chad, I uh, will say
1: we'll talk to you next week.